0: I'm speaking to Joanna Moncrief. Joanna is a native Londoner who loves to share her knowledge of the city's history, as well as its best historic pubs, hidden gardens, unusual museums, quirky shops, and other lesser-known treasures. She has been leading guided walks in the city of Westminster, the West End, Clerkenwell, and Islington since 2009. Joanna also leads walks closer to where she lives in Walthamstow and Chingford. A couple of her most popular walks are her Walthamstow walk from Mano and Morris to beer and bacon jam and her foodie-themed Christmas lights walk in the West End. I'd like to start by talking about your background. Where did you grow up?
1: Well, I grew up two and a half miles from where I'm living now, northeast London, the actual place that I grew up in is called Himes Park, H-I-G-H-A-M-S, but even Londoners haven't heard of it. So it's between Chingford, where I live now, and Walthamstow, so north-east London, inner London borough, London borough of Waltham Forest. And actually, I say that when I was born, the London boroughs weren't in existence. <laughs> Part of the reason I still live in the area is because it's such a unique place. So it's easy to get into both the city and the West End, within an hour, which is pretty good going for London. And the main thing is I've got Epping Forest on my doorstep. So five minutes walk, this is the same where I lived growing up and where I live now. Five minutes walk, I'm at the station, and five minutes walk in the other direction, I'm in the forest. And Epping Forest is not massive compared to some others around the world but 12 miles long and about two and a half miles wide at its widest point and it's completely protected so it's just a wonderful place to grow up really the thing is at the time you think everyone else has a forest you don't know any different
0: it's great to have that experience of nature so close by and the city as well
1: yeah yeah i think it is a unique place to be able to walk, not have to drive or get a bus or anything, but just that to be on your doorstep. And actually, two of my siblings still live in the area, and a lot of the people I went to school with still live in the area. So I think a lot of people realise it is the best place to live. That is a pretty good reason to live there.
0: In addition to the forest, what did you enjoy about living there when you were growing up?
1: Well, it was easy to get into central London my mum I should say I did have two parents but my dad was a political journalist and he was a bit of a workaholic so it was always my mum that took us on trips into the city so we'd go to museums and the theatre and she had trained as a ballerina she didn't pursue it she became an actor later and so she tried to introduce us to Bali at a young age. I'm not sure that really worked, though. But it was easy to get into central London by train. We never had a family car. The public transport was pretty good still.
0: How would you say that experience growing up there really helped to shape you?
1: It's so hard to answer that, really. But I think I just became used to living somewhere with lots of space. Um, Lots of things you take for granted at the time that easy access to things in central London and knowing that you can easily get on a bus or a train and go off and do something or go for a walk in the forest. It made me realise I like both countryside and the city and actually in more recent times over the pandemic especially I realised that I find some places a bit too urban so I really like having the countryside that I can just go off and walk into it and forget
0: everything. Was there ever a point that you thought about leaving London?
1: Well, funny you should say that, up until about a couple of months ago, I have been thinking of moving out of London. The main reason was when my parents died in 2016 and 2019, well, I've taken lots of stuff from their house that I can't really fit in my own flat. And I really would like to have a house with two bedrooms, but I can't afford anything in London. So over the last couple of years during the pandemic, I have basically looked at loads of properties online. I haven't actually been to any of these places. <laughs> I looked them up online. And you have to go a fair way out before I could actually... I mean, I had all these criteria. Like, I had to have equivalent to Epping Forest, countryside, the sea um a canal or a river within walking distance. That was one criteria. Um, I've paid off my mortgage, I'm lucky with that, but I didn't want to take on any more debt. But I also wanted a good train line into London. And it was actually it's about two months ago I was volunteering with Chingford Historical Society. I'm on the committee and it was a launch of a heritage trail in Chingford. And I realised on that day that, for one thing, I've done a lot of research on the history of my local area and that it would be a shame to lose all that. That's one reason. I also realised that I really know a lot of people in the area. There's a very big community in this area. And I've also just turned 60. And when you're 60 in a London borough, you get free travel. So I suddenly thought, what am I doing? I just have to try and declutter a bit and make the best of being in a flat. I have actually got a garden, so I'm lucky. I've got a garden and I'm five minutes from, as I said, the station and the forest. So I'm staying put for the moment.
0: I think you're far from the only person, though, during the pandemic who's found themselves on a lot of real estate websites.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Aside from the things you've already mentioned, what is it that you really love about living in London?
1: Well lots to do museums art galleries I just love the vast amount of theatres you've got the West End theatres like the bigger ones but you've got lots of smaller fringe theatres got lots of music venues I tend to prefer the smaller ones and my brother's in a couple of bands and they often play in pubs and there's just so much going on. I mean, you can't always keep up with it all, to be honest. I can never keep up with it all. And you do tend to miss things because there's too much going on. But it's just fantastic. You can just think, oh, I fancy doing a show tomorrow or going to a museum. And most of the time, well, you do have to book in advance sometimes, but most of the time you can find something you can just buy on the door um also the transport really good transport my trains is the london overground which takes me into liverpool street in about 30 minutes that's into the city and my last train coming home is one o'clock in the morning not that i've done that for a while there's also night buses i mean if i really go mad and i can get into the west end via the victoria line oxford circus i can get there within about 40 minutes so I'm quite lucky. I live at the end end of the tube line and the end of the train line, so I never have those issues of standing. I couldn't bear that. Friends I've got who live on the central line, and they have to stand when they go into central London. Just what you get used to, though.
0: I feel like the overground has been a game-changer, too, in the sense that it's opened up a lot of areas of London that didn't have great transit access before.
1: Well, actually, the trains were previously in existence. They've just put them all on one map. Because my trains were, I think they might have been Greater Anglia. So it came under National Rail. And there's a line from Highbury and Islington, I think, that goes to Stratford. There was just lots of small lines. I suppose the thing is, it's made them more visible. Um, We have got new trains now. That is a plus. But yeah, it is really good. So I was in Edinburgh last week at the weekend. And I noticed that the buses were nowhere near as frequent. And, and things like that, when you only have to wait a couple of minutes for the bus. I mean, I do tend to walk a lot, though. If, if it says 10 minutes, wait, then I'm going to walk it.
0: Aside from the cost of living, what are some of the things that you don't care for about London?
1: Litter is one of them. I think I've noticed this over the weekend when I was up in Edinburgh. I mean, at the moment, they've got a bin strike. The dustbin men are on strike. So they're not collecting rubbish from waste bins on the street and in the area around the station in Edinburgh and in the sort of touristy areas. They're all overflowing with rubbish but once you get away from the centre I was surprised how clean it was. No drops litter so I went off in search of ancestors in a cemetery and there was no litter at all. I just went to the supermarket before I came on here and just walking down the road People just drop things. I just wonder how people are brought up. I had thought it was a UK-wide thing, but now having been to a reasonably clean Edinburgh, I'm thinking maybe it's just a London thing. But it also seems to be the case when people go for a picnic, they just leave their things on the ground. (laughs) I just can't comprehend that. So that's one of the things I'm not keen on. The other thing is that there are some road users who ignore traffic laws and so lately we've had a lot of people using electric scooters which are mostly illegal the ones you hire you can hire some and they are legal but I think you're meant to ride them on the road I'm not sure but the ones that people own are illegal but people ride them on the pavement and you can't hear them coming and the electric bikes that seem to be popping up all over the place the people that ride them just seem to weave in and out of the traffic and ignore traffic lights and things like that so it is sometimes a bit stressful when you're trying to cross the road on the green man with a group behind you so you have to be extra cautious oh yeah and house prices I mean I'm lucky I bought this flat 24 years ago but if I was buying it now I wouldn't be able to afford it there's so many young people in London, there's no way they're going to be able to afford anything. That's when the interest rates are low, the interest rates are starting to go up, so they're going to be even worse.
0: Yeah, and with all the inflation that's happening right now too, it's just making everything that much more expensive and making it more stressful. Yeah. I know that you love being a tour guide, what was your inspiration for getting into that?
1: I always used to go on a lot of guided tours. I used to belong to a couple of Social groups and they organized loads of tours and I organized some myself for work outings and the initial thing was trying to escape from being a legal secretary but that never actually happened because I still work part-time as a legal secretary Wednesday to Friday in a media law firm in the West End so when I had thought about being a tour guide before the only tour guides that I knew had the blue badge which is the most famous badge that everyone thinks that's what I've got but I haven't got it so the blue badge guiding course costs a lot of money I mean it's probably about seven thousand pounds plus and it takes a couple of years and as a result of that the people that do the gu- that guiding course are wanting to do it as a full-time job really and they learn coach touring and things like that and trips to Stonehenge and all the sort of major tourist places, but I didn't really want to do that. And also I couldn't afford it. And then I discovered in 2008 a course, which was a foundation course in tour guiding, um, which was about six weeks. And that just gave you an introduction to see if you liked it or not. And then that led on and I discovered that there were a number of local guiding associations Um, So a much smaller area rather than the whole of London. So I then took a course, the City of Westminster Guides course. Oh, it's quite a massive area still. A City of Westminster, and I passed that in 2009. And then six years after that, I did one in Clarkenwell and Essington. We don't tend to do the tourist sites so much, but you can. It's just the guiding instruction and you learn about the areas during the course.
0: What's your process for developing your specific walks?
1: A long one. It's so much work. And then you get people who don't appreciate it and they just want to go on the free tours, which is really frustrating. So when I start off thinking I want to do a walk in a new area, because I'm currently thinking about doing a walk near where my law firm is in Fitzrovia. I mean, I have a bit of a vague idea about what I want to do. And then I spend probably half a day walking up and down all these roads. So in my head, I've got a basic route, but then I have to walk up and down to see what works and to ensure there are safe places to cross. For instance, in Mayfair, you're really restricted. You can only cross Berkeley Square on, you know, there's only a couple of crossings. So things like that, you can't cross You have to cross at a proper crossing. You can't just cross anywhere on a road like that, which is really busy. So you have to take all things like that into account. Then if the streets are too narrow, where could you stand? So you have to do all that on the streets. I mean, sometimes I do some of it on Google Street View, but you really have to be there to walk up and down to get the idea of the route. I think now having been guiding for quite a few years, Sometimes it just sort of seems obvious as I'm walking around, it's weird. And then after that, then I start on all the research. I've got quite a lot of history books. I also use sources such as British History Online. They have the Survey of London on there and lots of other documents that have been digitised. I use the British Newspaper Archives. Actually, some of my family history research techniques have crossed over into my guiding techniques in that I often create a family tree for somebody on the walk to figure out how their family fits together and go to archives as well. I mean, that's not always possible because of working in the office three days a week. Well, I work from home most of the time, but there's lots of ways to find the research and I'm always researching. I'm always finding out more. I'm always going off on tangents and it's never ending. I can't just say that walk is finished. It will never be finished. I don't mean it like that. I mean, I'll take you on a walk tomorrow and the walk is finished, but then next week I might read about something else, so I'll change it a bit. They do change over time. And I used to, when I first qualified, I used to lead pub walks. We used to actually go in these pubs, but I stopped that after a while because people didn't buy a drink or they took a coffee in or something. It just didn't feel right. So... Anyway, I had one in Marylebone and two of the pubs closed down anyway. And I've now reinvented that walk. It's more or less the same walk, but I'm talking about different things. And I've come up with a really good title. Well, I think it is a good title. It's Peeps, Pubs, Graves and the Grosso. So walks change over time. I changed the titles, which... Unfortunately, for some, confuses some people. I mean, I've had people come on a walk that have changed the title and they said, oh, I've been on this one before. The titles really do make a difference into trying to sell the places on it.
0: How does the process of developing those walks and taking people on them really change your view of the city?
1: Wherever I go, I'm always looking up. I'm looking down. Coal holes, boot scrapers, things like that on the floor. And there's always... Things at the top of buildings. I mean, I like going around on buses, sitting at the top of a bus. And I did that when I was up in Edinburgh. Also going down alleyways. Whatever city I'm in, I'm interested in what's not obvious, looking at unusual things.
0: After all the work that goes into the tours, what makes it so rewarding to take people on those tours?
1: Well, I love sharing my research and sharing my knowledge, I suppose, and especially taking people around who think they know an area. So I have, for about the last 10 years, been leading walks in my local area. And over lockdown, I did some of these as virtual versions. So many people think they know an area, and then I surprise them about something. I just love sharing my research. And I have all these tangents that I've gone down, and I really should write some of them up as blog posts I've got them all in my head a lot of the history I've discovered especially in the local area isn't written down anywhere it's things I've discovered well there was one thing for instance it's on a terrace of houses in Walthamstow and there's a plaque on these houses and it says Master McGrath eight, and it's got three dates and it says Waterloo and before the internet I don't think I would ever have discovered what that meant but I googled it and Master McGraw was a greyhound and he won the Waterloo Cup three times and the proceeds of the winnings were used to build this terrace of houses and the pub opposite was for a time called the Hare and Greyhound but I haven't found the end of the story yet so that's why. I've said on my walk but I want to find out why it was an Irish owner and an Irish greyhound what were they doing in London so things like that I've got all these half finished research projects which I should finish and should write up as a blog because I don't think that's written up anywhere something like that
0: it's great that there is never a shortage of that kind of thing to discover in London
1: that's right there's so much i mean lots of The people I've discovered in the local area, they're not known about anymore. They're just forgotten. So I need to write them up.
0: In terms of the breakdown of the visitors you get, are most of them Londoners or do you get tourists as well?
1: They're mostly Londoners because of the tours that I do. I mean, I do get tourists sometimes, mostly ones that have been to London on a number of occasions and they've done the sort of highlights and they want to come back. And dig deeper into the history, and actually, people like me, because when I go abroad, I want to do that sort of tour, the more detailed history tour, rather than just the highlights. So I do occasionally. If someone asks me to do it, I will obviously do the highlights tour that the tourists want, but I do actually have something to say about a famous landmark that no other tour guide can claim claim to in that. The press bar in the House of Commons is named after my dad. It's called Mom Creefs. He was a political journalist and until 1983, he used to drink gallons of Guinness. By 2007, when the bar opened, he had given it up for almost 20 odd years before. But the bar is named after him. So I can't talk about the House of Parliament without mentioning that.
0: That's a great story. It's wonderful to be able to share that kind of thing on a tour, too.
1: Yeah. Also, if I included, I haven't done a tour that goes past Sadler's Wells in Eastington yet, but that's where my mum trained as a ballet student. So I'd probably drop that in as well.
0: What are some of the most memorable experiences you've had giving walks?
1: I think that one of the most memorable was when once a year, on about the 8th of October every year, it's about that Saturday, the local guiding associations get together to do a day of free walks. Well, it soon became apparent a few years ago that this date clashes with World Zombie Day. And on two occasions, I think it happened two years running, about seven or eight years ago, the zombies were meeting in the same part of London that we were leading our walks. So (laughs) it's bizarre enough happening one year, but it happened the following year as well. And I looked up when World Zombie Day is this year, and it's the same day again, but it doesn't look like anything's happening in London. That was probably the most memorable. Other things that have happened, often because you've got your back to what you're talking about, and the tour group are looking behind you and often there are things going on behind me and I can't see and then I suddenly think they're not listening to me I look round, and there's a wedding going on or <laughs> something like that then there's often been celebrities that pop up on the walk there was one time I was doing a walk in Belgravia which is sort of posh area near Victoria Station and I was standing outside a pub which is really quite tucked away giving them directions to the station but there was a famous TV presenter standing a couple of feet away from me. And I just thought the best thing to do was to ignore him. So I just carried on with my directions to the tube. And there's another Bill Nighy, an actor who's been in a lot of films. He's often popped up on my walks around Mayfair. And on one occasion, he walked past our group. I got to the next stop and I said, well, who saw the famous film star? And only one other person spotted him. I've heard him say on the radio, he just wanders around West End doesn't worry about people recognising him. He doesn't care. So there's always something happening.
0: Do your visitors ever give you information that you don't know too?
1: Oh yes, definitely. I really enjoy that when they do that and I'll quickly write it down and use it next time. Obviously I will check them out. I mean, you do occasionally get people who... Want to have an argument with you. And I was talking about in Soho Square, there's a bench to Kirsty McColl, the singer who was tragically killed. And I said, What year it was? I can't remember off the top of my head what year it was, but someone in the group said, Oh, no, it's not, that's wrong. And I said, Well, I'm pretty sure it is. And then someone else in the group looked it up and said that I was right. I just don't understand people that want to challenge you. And it really knocks at your confidence.
0: Yeah, I think sometimes that's why people do that precisely for that reason.
1: Yeah, I've had a couple, but if they are like that, it generally puts the rest of the group against them and on my side. And it's difficult to know how to deal with them sometimes. But I've had tips from another couple of guides who said someone wants to try and take over, which they sometimes do just say to them, well, you do the next stop then. I haven't been brave enough to say that yet because
0: I'm scared they will. Well, thank you for taking time to talk today. I've really enjoyed hearing about your experience of living in London.